If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to the book of 1 Samuel. And last week I talked about invisible and the difference between being invisible and hiding. See, sometimes you can be hiding yourself and complaining that nobody sees you. And I talked about how David Copperfield hid a full-grown elephant on a stage and had a staff member walk it off the stage, and I'm in like row five, and I think it's disappeared. It wasn't, it wasn't didn't disappear, it just was hidden. And, and I, he distracted my sight to where he could literally walk it off of that stage. It was incredible. See, sometimes God, oh, and, and the reason I, I taught that was because in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve failed miserably. And instead of running to God, they ran away from God and they tried to hide themselves and tried to do some things in their own strength to make it better, like sow leaves together. The problem wasn't their nudity, their problem was their disobedience. And so finally they had to come out of hiding and run to God. And then we looked at what David did in Psalms 51 because David was just as guilty as Adam and Eve. He failed miserably, 100% failure. Look at your neighbor and tell them he's just as guilty. And that guilty man, instead of running and trying to hide, ran to God and repented. And God created in him a clean heart and renewed a right spirit in him. But today I want to talk to you a little bit about David. We have our kids in the sanctuary and I thought, well, God, what can I, I preach that everybody can relate to? And I think everybody that has been in church more than 15 minutes, and even if you haven't been in church, you, rem you have heard about David versus Goliath. And everybody heard about that? Say amen. amen. Well, David versus Goliath started with his great-great-grandmother. His great-great-grandmother was in a field on what at the time was welfare. She was picking up scraps out of a field of a rich family member. She was a widow, which she thought she was damaged goods, and she thought that because her husband had died, life was erasing her. But what she come to know is that the Bible tells kind of a Cinderella story. It tells about a woman that goes from rags to riches because she marries the guy that owns the field. And that would have been enough, but not with God. God not only takes a woman that was poor and makes her rich because, you know, there's a lot of people that don't have a lot of money like myself, but I find myself wealthy in joy and peace. Amen? You know, that could have been enough, but what he did was he took a woman from Jordan, married her to a man from Bethlehem, and decided, I'm going to make your bloodline royalty, and she was the great-great-grandmother of David. She and Boaz have Obed. Obed has Jesse. Jesse has David. And that's the context of the story today. So let's pray. And then I'm going to get right into this thing. Father, today, anoint me to preach your word with passion and with effectiveness. I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to make your word powerful. And I give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The story starts like this, that God calls a prophet named Samuel. And he speaks to Samuel and says, I'm going to choose a new king. Saul is not going to be king any longer. I'm going to choose a new king and I'm going to tell you where to go. Fill your oil up, your horn of oil, the one that you've set aside for anointing royalty. And I want you to take it to Bethlehem's and not only go into Bethlehem, but I am going to tell you the very house, the house of Jesse, one of his sons is the next king. 
Listen to how the Bible verse reads. It said, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Now, can you imagine all of a sudden you're Jesse just doing your thing in little bitty old Bethlehem, and all of a sudden there's a knock on your door? And you open it up and you look out and there is the prophet of all of Israel, Samuel, right there at your front step. And he tells you, God spoke to me this morning. And not only did he speak to me, but he spoke to me these words, in your house is the next king. Now, I don't know what you would have done, but if I was Jesse, I'd have closed the door. I'd have looked back at Michelle and said, Samuel's on the outside. He's famous. And he said God spoke to him and one of our kids is going to be king. We're moving on up <laughs> to the east side. I mean, that's what I'd have thought. And then I'd open the door and say, come on in. Who wouldn't want to exchange your little place in Bethlehem for the palace? <laughs> Everybody under, over the age of 40 got all of that. Everybody under the age said, I don't know what he's talking about. They're, don't worry, they're remaking it. It's coming back on TV. You'll get it in about, in about three weeks when it's on. You'll, you'll get it again. And so what happens is Jesse gets so excited that he calls all of his sons except one. Because here's one of the points of the message. It wasn't that Jesse was being a bad dad. Jesse was trying to look on the outside and see that his 15 to 16 year old son that really didn't have leadership qualities developed in him yet couldn't possibly be king because he had older sons that had proven themselves on the battlefields as officers in the army of Israel and provided leadership. He knew that they were probably the ones so he left the youngest out in the field watching sheep. I want to ask you, what do you see when you see some of these kids? What do you see when you look at them? Because sometimes we can overlook things because it doesn't seem to come in the right package. And so sometimes we think we can identify who people are by what they do. You can never have an identity in what you do because if you ever lose the ability to do what you do, then you've lost your identity. See, God isn't worried about... I've never impressed God by saying, I'm a pastor. You called me. He said, so? Because I look at you more as a son than I do a pastor. Because I want to validate what I, who I am by what I do. But God is not worried about what you do as much as who you really are. So who do you see when you see young people like this? Now, I see Joe Cool. <laughs> I see Dancer. I've seen this kid dance. Matter of fact, I've seen both of them dance. They can jam, man. They can do their thing. What do you see when you see young ladies like Ruby, young men like Isaac? What do you see when you look at them? Because sometimes you'll get enamored by identifying the outside of a person. And you judge what they're capable of by the outside. Because now, the, this is what David looked like. 
He was like 15, 16, 17 at the oldest. Come here, boys. I went and recruited some help. Two 17-year-old young men straight from Southwest Florida. Javon and Canavis. Now, what do you see when you see these kids? See, if you... He's been this big. I've been here 17 years. He's been this big since he's like eight. Look at these muscles, man. If you ain't careful, you would run around the corner, see these boys and go, oh no, it's about to get on. Because I, I, I know that people would say, thug. No, 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 man. You, you, you try to identify by a style, by what they're wearing. You're looking at the outward appearance. Because I've seen these young men in action. I've seen at a men's conference, these young men pull every other boy out of the, out of the seat and have prayer meeting. See, what, what your See, you can get fooled by what's on the outside. See, because these young men look like they can do business. I mean, they just look good. Like, you know, I... I try to be this cool and can't do it. <laughs> but if you were looking for a king, would you have chosen them? <laughs> First of all, let me get over here with my man, Javon. All right, when you got so much hair, it's like in your eyes, and you're standing next to a man that dreams about having hair, I mean, come on, man. You could just give me a little bit. Let's sow some seed. Seed time and harvest. You would have said, God ain't going to choose him. His hair's like this. What do you think David's hair looked like? He didn't get up every morning. He was living out in a field following sheep. He didn't get up and pull up his mirror and get himself all right. He was like, man, I'm looking for lions, tigers, and bears. I'm wanting to protect some sheep. Not that you don't look good, bro. Because I like that style. I'm just making a point. Is that sometimes people look at young men like you and see inexperience. And they see the lack of development of maturity at times. And they try to put you in a box. I'm here to tell you, you may be the next T.D. Jakes. You may be the next Billy Graham. You may be the next prophet to a nation. Don't you ever let anybody put you in a box. Now, I need you guys to go right over there because you're going to help me back in this message in just a few minutes. Because what happens is Jesse's oldest son comes into the room and it fools Jesse and Samuel. His name was Eliab. He was an officer in the army. He don't look like 17. He looks like Mature, refined, got the uniform, got the stuff, got a sword, looks like a king. And when he walks in, these are the words of Samuel. Surely the Lord's anointed is among us. And the Holy Spirit said, oh, no, 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 you got this all wrong. You're looking on the outside when I start on the inside. 
So this is what the verse says. When, he came, when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him for, for the Lord sees, not as a man sees. A man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Touch your neighbor and said, What's your heart look like? See, because not only did he start looking wrong on the outside, he forgot about how God looks on the inside. And I'm not talking about just this story. I'm not talking about what do you see when you just see the kids in our congregation because I see greatness. That's why I go every Sunday and try to go into every classroom that the kids are in. This is what happens. First of all, I start with loving on them. I get all of my hugs and all of my kisses and then I start talking like you are the greatest. You may be Superman. You might be Wonder Woman. You might be the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my life because I want my words to look not on the outside but on the inside and start taking root that they believe that God has created them to be somebody amen but I'm not just here for the kids what do you see in the morning when you put on your makeup or you shave what do you see do you just see the outside because all Jesse's sons come before the prophet and God said, nope, 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 not the one. Now you're thinking, I've, I've misheard God. I got the wrong house. And he looks at Jesse and says, are these all your sons? He said, no, nah, there's one left. He's out in the field. The same field his great-grandmother picked up scraps is now the family field that has sheep in it and a 15-year-old red-headed young man that they say is ruddy in complexion. What does that even mean? What is ruddy? Said he had beautiful eyes. Yeah, but you better know what you're looking at in beautiful eyes because inside of those beautiful eyes was a man of courage, a lion's heart. Smelled like a sheep. Can you imagine running to the very field your great-grandmother picked up scraps? And I don't know who he sent. Maybe it was one of his brothers. Maybe it was a, a, a friend. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was one of his brothers. Run out to the field and says, Prophet Samuel's at the house. He said somebody's going to be the next king. He's looked at all of us and none of us passed the test. He wants you. And I'm sure David thought, me? Man, I ain't even got nowhere to clean up. I've I, I just been handling some sheep. He said, no, nah, they said they ain't even going to... The prophet said he wasn't even going to sit down until you got there. He's standing up in our living room waiting on you. And all of a sudden, this young man walks in. Boys, I need you back. Y'all lucky I play nice. I'd pour a bottle of oil over all of y'all's heads. <laughs> oh, man, smell that. Smell that? See, the oil that Samuel had had a smell. It smelled like a king. And he was about to put it on a young man that smelled like a sheep. His outside wasn't going to look like the inside. But God was going to look over the overlooked 
and find the invisible. And as soon as he walked in, the Holy Spirit said that he spoke to Samuel and said, that's the one. And the Bible says this, that as he poured oil over his head, that the Holy Spirit rushed upon him. Father, right now, I anoint Canavis, a mighty man of God. And I ask that you enable him by the power of the Holy Spirit from every moment of his life as he follows after you. Father, as I lay my hands upon Javon and I mark him with this oil, I pray the same, that the power of the Holy Spirit rest upon him and that every day that he follows after you, let their eyes see miracles, let their ears hear your voice. Let them become the mighty men of God that you've created them to be in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you. No, what God saw in a 15, 16, 17-year-old young man, what, he, what, they, what they saw was a shepherd coming into a living room. What he saw was a teenage worshiper that would not go even beyond picking the most popular songs. He would write his own songs in the middle of a field and sing to somebody that's invisible and yet stole the heart of God as a teenager. He was a lion killer. He was a bear stalker. He was a giant killer. He he was a king. And God saw the invisible. What does he see in you? Well, pastor, you just don't know about me. I, I live in the wrong neighborhood. I don't care where you live. If God can find somebody out in a field with a group of sheep, I'm sure he knows where you live. Because sometimes we identify people by, by their address. Well, they're homeless. What you don't know about some of the homeless is they've got an anointing going on in their life. They just need an opportunity for the invisible to come visible. When God starts picking folks, man, sometimes he don't make no sense. Sometimes the outside doesn't match the inside. Sometimes he goes to the very opposite, like Gideon. Looks for the biggest coward in, the Bible literally says, cowered in a cave, trembling in fear, thinking he's going to die. Angel shows up and says, get in, oh you mighty man of valor. Because what God was doing is saying, everything on the outside says you're not qualified to do what I'm about to call you to do. But I've looked on the inside of you and on the inside of a coward is a courageous man. And so all of a sudden, he stands up and starts to believe what God says. And he takes 300 men and charges against an innumerable army because he knows God's with him. What's God going to do with you? Well, pastor, I, I, well, you've already got me convinced that I, God can find me anywhere, no matter where I live, no matter what my occupation is. You know what? When God starts calling people like, hey, I'll need somebody to raise the dead. Who am I going to go? Oh, Smith Wigglesworth, the plumber. If you're a plumber, nothing wrong with plumbing, man. As a matter of fact, I have a newfound love for you. I wish I could have found you yesterday when my pool pipe broke right in the middle of a big root bed. Ooh, yes. That's where temptation come over me, Randy, and curse words were swirling around my head, and I had to fight it, but I did. Yeah, I need somebody to raise 14 or 15 people from the dead. Yeah, I'll get the guy that is the plumber. Oh, I need a great man to preach. 
One of the greatest orators of our day, T.D. Jakes. Yeah, pastor in a storefront in West Virginia. Charleston, West Virginia, where nobody even knew his name. He was preaching in the shower before anybody ever showed up in his storefront. Now pastors, one of the largest churches in North America, has written multiple books and produced mo movies. Boys, you're destined for greatness and there's something living inside of you called God the Holy Spirit that will enable you and empower you to do anything. Don't dream little when you've got a big God living in you. I brought, I don't know whose book this is. I actually have to repent because I stole it from the thing right out there because I really wanted this because I didn't have him in second service. I had him live in first service. Pastor Vernon is 40 plus years. He's 83 years old. He had to tell his age today. 83 years old. He's pastored a church for like 45 years. His brother's pastored for 45 years. And one of his brothers pastored for 50 years. He got saved because a grandfather and grandmother got saved in India and were willing to lose everything, their land and all, to become a Christian. That's his legacy. Because sometimes when we get over a certain age, we think God is done with us and we're ready for retirement. Dude shaving at 83 years old. God looks back in the mirror and says, write a book. I called you to be an author at 83 years old. And here's the book that's been published that this man penned right from the very seats of this, this room. That God can take you at 83. He can take you at 13. He can take you at 8. He can take you at 28. He can take you at 48. You haven't gone too far, haven't done enough to make him change his mind. He has deposited something inside of you that may yet still be invisible. But God sees the invisible. Some of you can change the world at 80. Some of you can change it at 18. What do you see when you see these kids? And what do you see when you get up in the morning and you? Do you see a Billy Graham? He's a shoe salesman that got saved. Filled up stadiums of people preached a simple gospel message, would have an organist or pianist play, just come as you are, and thousands of people would walk up to get saved because it's never the outside. It's the God on the inside. Who are you? Well, pastor, I've been overlooked. Nobody sees me. Well, you're wrong. I might not see you. The people around you might not see you. Your family might not even see you. But I promise you, God sees you. He sees all the flaws. He sees all the mess. He sees all the stuff that make you you and still loves you in spite of it. He took a young man at 20-something years old that had made a wreck out of his life and said, I called you to be a pastor. What do you see?